coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at MyBookie. We've still got two great promo deals for you guys right now for you to choose from. You can go with our exclusive Glory UGA promo deal by using the promo code UGA when you go to mybookie.ag to get a 50% bonus on top of your initial deposit for all new users. That one does come with a playthrough, but if you don't want to do the playthrough, if you want to avoid that, we've got a different code for you. You can just use the code 200CASH and you get a 10% cash bonus on top of your initial deposit that goes straight into your account. Once you bet your deposit one time, then you've got that money free withdrawal and do whatever you want with it. So whatever fits your needs, guys, my Bookie's making it happen for you. So again, sign up for a brand new account at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code UGA or 200 cash. But all right, guys, I am your host, Tyler. And after taking last week off from our preview episodes with the game against UAB, I know none of you care about a UAB preview, so we called the Audible. We did volume two of our SEC power rankings. That is not happening this week. The game previews are back with a bang as we go back into SEC play with our first road game of the season. Hard to believe, game five, first road game of the season on the road in Auburn inside Jordan-Hare Stadium against Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers. I've done my homework. I've watched all four of Auburn's games so far this season. Obviously, I've watched the two Power 5 games against Cal and, man, uh, what a... What a burn burner that one was. I watched the Texas A&M game last week, obviously before our game. And then I even went back and subjected myself to watching them play UMass in week one and Samford last week. That's what I did, guys. I've done the homework. I put the time in. And now I am here to let you know what I have discovered about this Auburn football team and how Georgia matches up with Auburn this weekend. And I know that we have a lot of new listeners this season. We just had the best July that we've had, the best August that we've had. We're on track to have the best September that we've ever had. So we have a lot of new listeners. And I appreciate each and every one of you for being here. And we've actually only had a chance to do one game preview this season with how the schedule's played out, playing a bunch of cupcakes. We've had one SEC opponent in South Carolina. So for some of you, this might be your first foray into Glory UGA-style game preview episodes. I do humbly think that you will ultimately end up finding this to be the most in-depth preview of this Georgia-Auburn game that you're going to find anywhere out there. There are a lot of great people covering the Georgia B. They do a great job. And I'm not saying I'm smarter than any of them. That's certainly not the case. Not the smartest guy in the world. But I do think that I put more time into this than anyone out there. I don't think that anyone's doing what we're doing behind the scenes to bring you guys the most in-depth, accurate preview of each of these games that we do each and every week now that we're at least into full-on SEC play. So I think you guys will enjoy it and our format. I know all of you have been here for a long time. You know how this works. But again, we have some new listeners. I want to make sure everyone understands what we're doing here. The format we've kind of settled on over the past couple of years is a little bit of a different one. I call this the countdown. So I'm going to go 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. I'm going to give you five players to know, four stats that matter, three questions to ask, two matchups to watch, and one key to the game. Now, I'm not going to give you my full-on prediction. We're going to save that for the final episode of the week when we do our picks of the week. Charlie will be back on here with me. We'll give you our final thoughts and our full game predictions on that episode. So make sure to come back on Thursday night, Friday, to get that prediction. But today, I'm going to give you everything else that I am thinking, everything else that I've noticed, observed, found out about this matchup against Auburn. 
And if you listen closely enough, you can probably figure out which way I'm leaning without me giving you the full-on prediction. So just sit back, put your legs up, and enjoy. But let's go ahead. Let's get right into this, guys. Let's go to the five players to know. Now, I'm going to do a two-for-one special here off the top. Typically, with most teams that we're talking about, we start with the most important position on the field because it is the most important position on the field. And of course, I'm talking about the quarterback position. So I'm going to give you a two-for-one special here because Auburn doesn't really have a go-to guy at quarterback. They have a starter. Somebody's got to start, and that's been Peyton Thorne. But they have been rotating Robbie Ashford in fairly liberally. And that's been from game to game, yes. But against Cal, for instance, Robbie Ashford was not just coming in like drive to drive. It was like within each drive. Sometimes play to play, they were rotating Ashford and Thorne. And they did that some against AM. Once they got behind that game, they bring Ashford in and try to get the run game going. Then when he got to third long, they would bring Thorne in because they do not trust Ashford to throw the football. And for very good reason, you guys saw him play in Athens last year. He started that game against us inside Sanford Stadium. And uh, yeah, not <laughs> the most proficient passer. In fact, not a proficient passer at all. If you look at his numbers right now, he, they don't, he has only thrown the ball 17 times this year. That should give you enough of a clue how they feel about Robbie Asher as a passer. Dude is not there yet. He's got an incredibly strong arm. He's kind of like Joe Milton Light, super strong arm, great athlete, much better athlete than Joe Milton, actually. But the accuracy, the ability to read defenses, understand coverages and progressions, the dude's just not there yet. He's very much a work of progress. He's really a baseball player coming out of high school, played football, but he's a big-time baseball player. Went to Oregon initially out of high school and transferred back to Auburn before last year. Did not start the season as a starter. Ends up taking over, and he's a dynamic athlete. He is one of the most dynamic athletes at the quarterback position that I have seen in quite some time. I'm not going to call him Cam Newton because Cam Newton was Cam Newton, but he reminds me of Cam Newton in terms of his athleticism and his size. I mean, the guy is 6'3", 220 pounds. He is built, dude. He's thick and he is incredibly athletic. He's fast. He's twitchy. He can make you miss. At 220 pounds, he will put his shoulder down and he will run over you. He truly is a big running back playing quarterback. That's what the guy is. He is a glorified running back playing quarterback and they use him as such when he's in the game. The problem for him this year is yet to really get loose in the game. Last year, I mean, he got loose a couple times. I mean, he was running all over Alabama. They put like 300 yards rushing against Alabama and he was a big part of that. This year, he has had, I don't want to say trouble running the football. He just hasn't been as effective running the football because he's not a threat to throw the ball right now. Only 17 attempts. Last year, he wasn't good throwing the football, but he was the only quarterback. So he would at least throw it from time to time. So it wasn't as predictable what they were going to do with him. You knew they were probably going to run the football with him, but he would at least throw the ball and pose somewhat of a threat there. Right now, it's not even happening. Only 17 attempts. So he's in the game. It's very predictable what's going to happen. 17 attempts, guys. 17 attempts, 65 yards passing, 41.2% passing, one touchdown, zero interceptions. But he, when he's in the game, he's always a threat to make something happen with his legs. I mean, he is a game game changer. He's a playmaker with his legs. And he can change a game. He can take he can take a run, 75 for a touchdown in the blink of an eye. He can do that. He's that kind of player. Now, Peyton Thorne is the transfer for Michigan State. I told you guys in the preseason when we did our Auburn Scout in the Enemy episode, I fully expected him to win the job because I had no faith in Robbie Ashford as a passer, and that has seemed to play out. Problem is, Peyton Thorne's really not that good either. His deficiencies were masked somewhat in 2021. He was the quarterback for Michigan State when they won 10 games, right? And they went to a, a New Year's Six game. But 
that was really Kenneth Walker's team, right? Peyton Thorne did enough, but he was never a dynamic quarterback. And those deficiencies were really exposed last year without Kenneth Walker and all those guys they brought in from 2021 from the transfer portal. Those guys were gone. And all of a sudden, Peyton Thorne's got to be more of a factor in why they win games. And oh yeah, they just don't win games because he's not that kind of guy. And he has struggled out of the gate at Auburn. Guys, Yes, he's a more proficient passer than Robbie Ashford, which is why he continues to start games. and is why he comes in on third downs when Robbie Ashford might start the drive and he gets the third and long. And then you bring in Peyton Thorne because he's more proficient than Robbie Ashford is right now. But the guy's only averaging 140 yards passing a game. 140 yards a game, guys. 65% completion percentage, 7.5 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, three interceptions on the year. Thorne is a threat to run the football himself. He is not a Robbie Ashford type runner, but he did put up over 100 yards rushing at Sanford a couple of weeks ago. He is a guy that will run the football. They will do some things with him. He's a solid athlete. He's just not a dynamic athlete the way that Robbie Ashford is. He's not going to pose that type of threat, but he will keep you honest. And they'll do some design QB run stuff with him. It's not all scramble. Some of it's scramble. Sure, he can make a play happen, pick up a first down with his legs when he needs to, but he as the type of guy that they will call design runs with. And that's always been a hallmark of Hugh Freeze offenses. I know Hugh Freeze is technically not calling the plays here. It's Philip Montgomery, but Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery go way back. And Hugh Freeze's fingerprints are all over this offense. And wherever Hugh Freeze has gone, quarterback run game has been a part of what he wants to do. And both of those options, Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford, give him that. Robbie Ashford certainly to a greater degree, but they both give him that. Again, the problem is, they cannot complete the forward pass right now. And that is a significant problem because they are entirely one-dimensional, which we will come back to a little bit later when we get to our four stats that matter. So there are your top two guys. We're going to call that two-for-one special. We're going to call that one player. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball here. I want to focus our attention for a minute here on a guy named Eugene Asante, who has legitimately come out of nowhere to be an impact player, the impact player on this Auburn defense this year. This guy, through his first four seasons, he's a fifth-year guy at Auburn right now, through his first four years at Auburn, he's not a transfer guy, first four years at Auburn, had 61 career tackles. Do the math there. You're averaging, what, about 15 tackles a season? 61 tackles in four seasons. This year, the guy has been, in my opinion, playing in an all-SEC caliber. Against Cal, I think he almost single-handedly won that game with the plays that he was making on defense. He had 12 tackles, one sack, a tackle for loss in that game, and untold numbers of pressures and quarterback hurries in that game. And that game was a game that Auburn won 14-10. They beat Cal 14-10 on the road, and honestly, they probably shouldn't have won that game. But Eugene Asante was the guy that flashed for me in that game. It made me stand and take notes and say, wait, 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 wait. Who is this guy? I remember, I remember like seeing his name in spot duty at times for all the past couple of years, but he was never an impact player. I mean, he was a spot guy. He was a reserve guy. And all of a sudden, like, where did you come from? Really athletic, really explosive linebacker. He's 6'1", 222. They, they move him around a little bit. He's a, he is a silent sideline type linebacker right now. He is playing truly, legitimately, at an all-SEC caliber right now. He is a dynamic pass rusher from the second level, especially when they get matched up on a guard. They do like to put him on the, on the edge there and rush him off the edge in third down situations, but they move this guy around and they do a lot of different things. Then He's a third. He's a three-down linebacker. He'll stay on the field in pass cover situations. He moves really, really well. He's a really, really good football player for them. And he is, if there's one guy on their defense to watch, it is Eugene Asante. Now, there's some other good players, especially in the secondary. They're really banged up in the secondary, which we're going to get to it a little bit later on. But Eugene Asante, if you're looking for for a guy on defense to watch, it is that 
guy. He is the one player they have right now that has the potential to be a game changer, a game plan wrecker for this Auburn defense. So definitely watch that guy on Saturday. He's going to be all over the field. He plays with his hair on fire, plays 100 miles an hour, and I have a lot of respect for how he's playing right now. All right, let's go back to the offensive side of the ball. Auburn wants to run the football. It's pretty clear, right? I went over some of the issues they're having throwing the football with Thorne and Ashford. So if you can't throw the football, what do you do? You run the football. Their top running back right now is a guy named Jarquez Hunter. You're probably familiar with him. He's been around for a couple of years. This is his third year at Auburn. For the first two years of his career at Auburn, he was the understudy to tank, to tank Bigsby. Now, sometimes he actually outshined Bigsby. I mean, he was a He's been a good running back for them. Never been the alpha, never, never been the number one option, but been a good player. And if you're familiar with this game, you know he's kind of like a bowling ball back. He's 5'10", 210 pounds, really well built, lower half. He was suspended for the first game. There's some offseason issues. I thought he might be suspended for longer than that, but it was ended up being just one game. Right now, he's got 31 carries in the year, 143 yards rushing, 4.6 yards per attempt. Nothing to write home about. It's really not so much about what Jarquez Hunter has done this year because those numbers are very uninspiring. That's not impressive at all, right? But I have seen this guy play for two years. I've seen what kind of running back he is. He has that potential to be a really, really good player and to be something that can absolutely hurt you with the Auburn ground game and be a, a big-time explosive playmaker. He has that ability. He's, he's shifty for a guy that size. He's got a bowling ball, runs the power. He's really, really good contact balance. Hasn't demonstrated all that so much this year, but I've seen it from him for two years running, and I still think that he is that kind of back if they get him going. Now, the guy who's really been their best back all year is a guy named Damari Austin. He is going to be out for this game. He got hurt against AM. He's out for this game. He's not going to play. So there's that. Now, there's another guy that really didn't play a ton the first couple games of the year, but when Austin went out against AM last week, he got a lot of snaps splitting time with Hunter. And it's a dude from South Florida. It's a transfer from South Florida. His name's Brian Batiste. And Jarquez Hunter is like a bowling ball. He's not a, a small back. He's a little bit shorter, just a, the way he's built. He's kind of compact. But T is a small guy. He's 5'7", 170 pounds. Small dude. But he was an 1,100-yard rusher for South Florida last year. And he's got a little bit of electricity to his game. He's got some wiggle. Uh, he's got some speed now. And a small guy, yes. Yeah, so he's not going to run in between the tackles on a consistent basis. But they want to get him on the edges. And they'll use him in the pass game a little bit. Right now, he's got 22 carries in the year for 117 yards, averaging 5.3 yards per attempt. He's going to get more carries in this game because there is no... Damari Austin this game. It's going to be Jarquez Hunter. It's going to be Brian Batiste. And that's a guy, talk about a guy that has potential to change a game with one play. Brian Batiste has that potential. He has that type of explosives in his game. So definitely watch out for him as well. But Jarquez Hunter is the guy to watch at running back. He's the guy I still think is they're going to be their number one guy. I think he'll get the lion's share of the work at running back and, and the majority of the carries from the running back position on Saturday. All right, let's stay on the offensive side here. Let's go to the receiver position. There's really uh, slim pickings at receiver for Auburn right now. Shane Hooks is a guy that came in. He led Jackson State. Yes, Dion, that Jackson State. He led them in all, basically every receiving category last year. Did not follow Dion to Colorado and transferred to Auburn instead. He didn't. He was a non-factor really in the first couple of games of the year. He started to make a couple plays since AM, but the issue with the receivers in general is, well, number one, they're just not that talented. They're not dynamic. Number two, obviously, as I mentioned, quarterback situation, not ideal for a receiver. You're not, you're not really working with a full house back there at the quarterback position. They're having trouble getting in the football. The one guy I would certainly watch from Auburn from the receiver position would be Jay Fair. He's their slot receiver. He's not a big guy. 5'10", 185 pounds is a typical slot receiver, protocol size, right? Right now, he's got 15 catches for 184 yards, two touchdowns, just like with running back. That's not like all that inspiring, right? It's not much to write home about. 
But again, I go back to the quarterback situation. Jay Ferry is a good receiver. He understands leverage. If you watch the guy play and you don't worry about the production in terms of like how many catches are you are you getting, because that, that's a lot of times that's not on him. He's getting open. It's the quarterbacks. But he understands leverage out of the slot. He does a really good job of using that understanding of leverage to get open, to find the open spots and zones, to be able to create, create space and create separation and man coverage. He's a pretty dynamic athlete in space once he gets the ball in his hand. So I have a I have a feeling, especially with the issues that they have just throwing the ball down the field, really throwing it all, they're going to try to get Jay Fair involved probably in the screen game in this game because he is a playmaker for them. They want to get the ball into his hands. And if they're having trouble doing it down the field, well, do it any way that you can. It just makes sense to me to see him get the ball, especially at the slot position, in the screen game. And you could probably say the same thing about Brian Batie out of the out of the backfield, maybe even Jarquez Hunter as a running back as well. But Jay Fair is that guy to watch in the, from their receiver core. One more player to watch here, our fifth guy, is their tight end, who really kind of operates as a receiver. His name is Rivaldo Fairweather. Great name. Love that name. He is a transfer. He's new to Auburn, so you're probably not super familiar with him unless you've watched him play this year. He did have the game-winning touchdown against Cal uh, in week two, but he's a transfer from FIU, 6'4", 250 pounds. He's not an inline guy. They'll play him in line. The dude is, he struggles to block. I mean, he is honestly the liability in the run game. He is not that kind of guy, but they are doing more with him to kind of fit his skill. So they, I think they figured out, like, okay, yeah, I mean, he will put him in the line sometimes to keep defenses honest, but this guy is basically a receiver. He's a glorified receiver. So they're spreading him out more and they're giving him opportunities to catch the football. Hasn't caught a ton of passes. Again, passing game hasn't been proficient. 11 catches, 101 yards, that one touchdown against Cal. But he is a talented receiver of the football. Yeah, he's technically a tight end, but he's really, really athletic. He's got good hands, really good size. He's another guy that they're going to try to get the football to. Late in that game against Cal, they went to him. He was the guy late in the, in the second half that was ultimately the guy that, I mean, scored the winning touchdown, was also made place to get down in the position to score that touchdown. They were trying to get him the ball against AM. Quarterback situation was just so dreadful that they couldn't get the ball to him. But he is a talented player, a lot like Jay Fair. It's just a matter of can they get those guys the football? So there you go. There are your five players to know from this Auburn Tigers football team. Obviously, there's more than five players to really know, but those are the top five that I've seen and that have kind of flashed to me watching this team through the first four games of the season. And we are going to move on here momentarily, but first, let me just quickly again remind you about our friends at MyBookie. You guys know that I am giving you winners every single week with my parlays. I think I'm three and one now. Last week, and we'll talk about this tomorrow on our Picks of the Week episode, I gave you guys... The best parlay I've ever given you on this episode, the highest odds I've ever given you is what I think it was plus 358. And it hit, guys. Five leg parlay, it hit. Now, I have to admit, I was tempted to use my bookie's new cash out early option once I hit the first three, and then certainly once I hit the first four, and I'm sweating out that last one, but I didn't. I held off, but that option is there for you. My bookie's doing you guys a solid. If you don't want to sweat out and you're just happy with what you've already won, you can cash out those parlays early. Any bet, you can cash them out early without having to sweat out. When you feel comfortable and you want to take that cash home, just take it home. Use that tool to your advantage. And of course, all new users, you got two options for promo codes here. You, you can use our exclusive promo code UGA when you go to mybookie.ag to sign up for a brand new account and you get a 50% bonus on top of that initial deposit up to $1,000. And that does come with a playthrough. But if you don't, if you want to avoid the playthrough, which I get, you can use the other promo code you have, to have at your disposal, which is 200 cash. And that gives you a 10% bonus on top of your initial deposit, straight cash bonus to your account. You don't have to worry about the playthrough or anything like that. 
And if that's more up your alley and that's more your speed, then you have that option too. That's your decision to make. But my bookie is doing you a solid by giving you two options there. So pick the best option for you. Go to mybookie.ag and sign up for a brand new account today so you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. All right, guys, let's keep this thing rolling. Let's go to our four stats that matter. And guys, I got to be honest with you. I think I got some good ones today, guys. I dug deep. I dug deep, and I got some good ones for you today. We're going to start with one. This is not the best that I have today. I'm going to save the best for last. But let's start with this one. So we know that Georgia's first half struggles offensively are very well documented. We started to certainly come out of that a little bit more against UAB last week. But the fact remains, we have had some issues, especially in the first quarter, really getting to a rhythm offensively. Second quarter hasn't been as bad. First quarter, not been great. But here is where we have been dominant. Coming out of the half, we have outscored our opponents 56-0 to in the third quarter. Why does that matter in this game? Well, here's why it matters. With this crowd being absolutely bananas, which it's going to be, guys. Just understand that. If you've been to Jordan-Hare for a Georgia-Auburn game, especially one, you know, recently when we've been as good as we have been, ranked number one, defending national champion, you know how that place is going to be. It's going to be insane. I have to give those people credit. No love lost. Don't love them. Don't like them at all. But I got to give them credit. They are a, a good fan base. It is a really good environment when they are popping. And they're going to be popping in this game. It's going to be a tough game. So, it's feasible if you factor in the issues that we've had in the first half, getting our offense in rhythm early in the game, and the fact that it's going to be Carson Beck's first road start, our first road game of the season, and it is a very tough environment that's going to be jacked up to play the two-time defending national champion and the number one team in the country in their house with a brand new coach. So there's like all this hope, even though the hope's kind of been dashed after you know a couple after last week's loss to uh, to A and M and the way that one played out. But they're still hyped up. They're going to be pumped up for this game. So it's feasible if you factor in all of that, this could be a fairly tight game at the half. I think that's a reasonable thing. I don't want to say to expect, but it's a reasonable possibility. And when you're on the road in an environment like that, that could be a recipe for disaster, right? Close game at the half. You're letting in a team that doesn't have the type of talent you have. And let's just call what it is, guys, a team with inferior talent. Because that, that's what it is. Let's just not beat around the bush. It's a team with inferior talent. You allow them to, to kind of hang around at home. It's a big-time opponent. The crowd's crazy. You come out in the third quarter. I mean, that, that could be a dangerous spot for the number one team in the country. But we have been dominant. Now, I know the level of competition has not been great. Obviously, we understand that. Understand that. But hey, the only SEC team that we've played so far, we also dominated the third quarter. So just don't be alarmed if we are in a tight game, a dogfight in the first half, because we have dominated the third quarter, and I think that's something that will help us in this game. We've been there. We've done that. We've, I don't want to say we've struggled in the first half against South Carolina. Yeah, we're down 14-3. I think that experience can be instructive, can help you in a game like this, give you confidence. Okay, you know what? It's a tighter game than it should be. So what do we do? Well, we come out in the third quarter, we come out swinging, and we control the game, we take control of it, and that's exactly what we've done all season long. Again, 56 nothing. we're outscoring opponents in the third quarter. So there's your first stat that matters. Second stat that matters, I want to give Auburn a little bit of credit here, right? Give credit where credit's due. I don't like Auburn, man, you know, got to be objective, give credit where credit's due. And I told you guys, they can't throw the football, which we're going to get to in a minute, but they run the football very, very well. They are right now number two in the SEC in rush offense. And it's not just one guy. I read you some of the numbers earlier. 
you know, I, I talk about Jarquez Hunter. The dude doesn't even have 150 yards rushing on the year. Demar Austin is out. I think he might be their best back. But I do like what Petit gave them last, last week. And you have two quarterbacks that are both threats to run the football. So this ain't no one-trick pony run game. This is a dynamic rushing attack that can threaten you in a number of ways with a number of different players. And that helps make them less predictable and also more difficult to defend. But not only are they number two in the SEC in rushing, which they were actually number one coming in last week, but after the game against A&M, they dropped to number two, still really, really good. But they are committed to it, guys. They are absolutely committed to running the football. They are number one in rush attempts per game. They're averaging 41 rushing attempts a game right now. So it's very, very clear that they want to run the football. And when they run the football, they are very, very good at it. So yeah, they want to run the football. But let's go to the third stat that matters. They want to run the football because as I told you earlier, they simply cannot complete the forward pass. They cannot throw it. So they have no other option but to run the football. That is the reality of the situation. Here is a crazy stat, guys. This is one I'm excited about. This is a crazy, crazy stat. So they went under 100 yards passing against AM last week. 56 yards passing against AM last week. That makes it five consecutive games against Power 5 opponents dating back to the last three games of last season against Power 5 opponents that the Auburn Tigers have thrown for under 100 yards passing. The fifth consecutive game under 100 yards passing against Power 5 opponents. And I got the numbers here for you guys. They went for 94 yards against Cal in week two. 56 yards against AM last week, 77 yards against Alabama in the Iron Bowl last year, 60 yards passing against AM last year, and 75 yards passing against Mississippi State last year. Five consecutive games against Power Five opponents under 100 yards. I honestly, outside of like service academies, I don't know if I've ever seen a number like that. I really don't, guys. That is borderline impossible to believe. It's almost impossible to even do. And I, I don't blame you if you don't believe me. I don't blame you if you're pulling up the internet right now and you're fact-checking me. Do it. Fact-check me and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It's nuts. But it also makes sense when you consider, well, who was the quarterback last year? Well, yeah, it was Robbie Ashford, the same Robbie Ashford that they don't trust to throw the ball more than 17 times through the first four games. Well, he's played a fair amount, not started games, but he's played a fair amount. And then the guy they brought in to be the answer at quarterback for Michigan State has thrown for 140 yards a game. It's been tough, man. They're, and Peyton Thorne is not as gifted a passer in terms of his arm talent as Robbie Ashford. He understands coverage a little bit better. He's not a really accurate passer, honestly. I mean, there's some plays against both Cal and AM that the plays are there to be made. Receivers are running open and just not even close. Like almost Joe Milton S stuff. It's it's alarming. If I if you're an Auburn fan, you're like what? How, how do you fix that? You can't fix that. You don't fix that in the season. It doesn't happen. You just kind of have what you have, and that is a problem for them. And so let's go back to Cal and a this year, right? Let's look at the context of this year. So you might say, well, maybe Cal's got a really good defense and a really good pass defense. Maybe AM's just got a really good pass defense. It's got all that talent, right? Well, I mean, yeah, not so much. Cal just gave up 400 yards passing to Washington and 59 points. Auburn scored 14 points, barely scored 14 points against Cal. I mean, late in the fourth quarter, they scored that game-winning touchdown. They were down, guys. 14 points and under 100 yards passing. Washington last week had, what, like like 45 points at halftime and almost three, oh, oh, a little over 300 yards passing, and they just kind of stopped in the second half because they were just beating the crap out of Cal. So 
Cal's not a great pass defense. A&M gave up 375 to Miami and 48 points to Miami. Auburn did not score an offensive touchdown against A&M, guys. They scored 10 points. The touchdown was a defensive touchdown. It was a fumble return for a touchdown. They scored three points offensively. A&M gave up 48 to Miami. This Auburn offense in general is terrible. Their passing game is absolutely putrid. It's an embarrassment. And to expect it to be just fixed in one week, that's a pipe dream. Could it be a little bit better? Yeah, probably because it was just so bad last week and they were on the road. They're back home. That helps. You don't have to contend with the crowd noise. You had the crowd behind you to help you build momentum. So it will probably be a little bit better, but come on, guys. It hasn't been good at any point this year. It's not going to be an offense that has a passing game that's really going to threaten us this week. So yeah, Auburn can't throw the football. And what does that mean? Let's go back to the second stat that matters. They got to run the football, right? First in the league in attempts. Well, guys, Auburn is a one-dimensional offense. That's what that means. If you can only run the football, which is the case right now, that is the definition of a one-dimensional offense. And you guys know, you watch Georgia football just like I do. You've been paying very close attention, just like I have. How many one-dimensional offenses have fared well against Georgia, against our defense the past couple years? Uh, I would say zero, right? Zero. One-dimensional offenses do not do well against really any defense, but especially a defense the caliber of Georgia, especially if that one dimension you have is running the football. Because if that is the one dimension you have, you are playing directly into our defensive strength. We are not as good against the run as we were last year because there's no Jalen Carter. We're not as good as we were in 2021. There's no Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt. We know that. We are still as good as about anyone in the country against the run. And that's just a really, really bad matchup for Auburn. If you cannot throw the football, you cannot beat Georgia. At least that's what history tells us over the past three seasons. And here is the stat that I have, guys. I went and I crunched these numbers all by myself, spent some time on this, and was curious and, and just kind of went through this and put some numbers together. And here's what I got for you guys, all right? So let's go back to 2020, the last three full seasons of football, not counting this year because we don't have the final numbers. So since 2020, we have played eight teams in the SEC that finished the season in the bottom three in the conference in passing offense. So I'll say that again. Since 2020, the last three full seasons, although 2020 was a COVID year, still, we'll call it a full season, right? Since 2020, we have played eight conference games against SEC opponents that have finished in the bottom three in the league in passing. Well, how have those teams fared against the Georgia defense? Well, I crunch the numbers. Let me tell you, those eight teams have averaged a combined 225 total yards against Georgia's defense and have averaged a combined 8.6 points per game. So let me say that again. The eight teams that the Georgia defense has faced over the last three full seasons dating back to 2020 that have finished the season in the bottom three in the SEC in passing have averaged 225 total yards and 8.6 points per game against the Georgia defense. And where is Auburn right now? Are they in the bottom three in the SEC in passing? You better damn well believe it. In fact, they are dead last in the SEC in passing yards, dead last in the SEC in passing yards per attempt, dead last in the SEC in quarterback rating. They cannot throw the football. Teams that cannot throw the football do not beat Georgia. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible. Nothing's impossible in college football. That's kind of what make, one of the things that makes it great. Anything can happen on any given day. Anything. I mean that. 
Anything can happen. We've seen crazy, crazy upsets. But for Auburn to pull this upset, what they're going to have to do is overcome overwhelming history and overwhelming trends to do that. I don't like their odds. Not impossible, but certainly, certainly the least likely of outcomes here. So just a little something to keep in mind there. And all right, guys, before we move on to our three questions to ask, let me also remind you about our great friends at Alumni Hall. I've told you guys before, Johnny O has become a brand that I love. They make fantastic quality material. They have a license to, to produce Georgia stuff. I've got Q-zips. I've got polos. I've got hoodies. I got a ton of stuff from Johnny O. Alumni Hall carries a ton of Johnny O stuff. In fact, they just got a brand new shipment of all new Johnny O Georgia gear. And guys, I cannot, I'm actually heading there tomorrow. I cannot wait to get in there and check it out. I've, I've looked at it online. I want to get in there, try it on, see how it fits, all that good fun stuff. I just love that process. So if you're like me, you like Johnny O, now is the time because that stuff will go fast. As I'm telling you, Johnny O is becoming more and more popular. It will go fast. Make sure to check out Alumni Hall either in-store here in the Epsbury Shopping Center here in the Classic City or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, guys, let's move on to our three questions to ask. Off the top here, I know there's been a lot of questions about this because I keep getting them over and over again. I, I get it. I understand. So this is going to be the obvious first question to me. What is the injury situation? And I'm not going to say just for Georgia. Obviously, we know our injury situation. Kirby's been very clear. You know, As recently as last week, he said in a press conference, this is unprecedented for us. This is the longest injury list that we've ever had in his time at Georgia. Well, Auburn's also really banged up, guys. They have some key players out just like we do. So who is going to be healthier in this game? Who is out? What impact players are out? What impact players are going to be back? Is Lab McConkie going to come back? I know he's he's participating in practice. It looks like there's a good chance, but knock on wood, you don't know, right? With the back, like we said earlier in the week, you just don't really know. What about Javon Bullard? He wanted to give it a go against South Carolina. He was dressed out, was going to give it a go on Friday night. Saturday, woke up, didn't feel right. Went out to warm up, didn't feel right. Didn't play, but he was dressed out. Obviously, you hold him out against UAB. Don't need him in that game. Is he ready to go in this game? That would be a huge boost for this defense on the road against this Auburn team. I would love to see Javon, but you don't know. Kendall Milton's doing some things at practice, but I mean, even if he gives it a go, what what percentage of Kendall Milton are we getting? How effective is he going to be? Roger Robinson's still dealing with the ankle injury, so it looks like he's probably not going to go. I mean, it's a high ankle sprain, almost no chance that he's going to go. Marcus shows me Jack St. played last week, had a career high in receiving yards, but didn't start the game because he was dealing with a little bit of an injury himself. We just have so many guys. I mean, and the list goes on and on. Who are we getting back? And if we get them back, what type of player are we getting? Or like, what percentage are we getting? What version are we getting? You can say the same thing for Auburn. If you look at their injury list, they've got a lot of big-time players, at least big-time contributors, important players them out in this game. Austin Keys was a guy they were counting on inside linebacker. He's been out for a couple of weeks, or really the entire season. Um, he's, the, he's a linebacker. He's a good player for them. He played against UMass in week one, but hasn't really played since then. Keontae Scott, who is their starter at the star position, keep that in mind. We're going to come back to him a little bit later. He's missed uh, the last couple of weeks, or he missed, he went down with a leg injury in Sanford, missed some of that game, missed the AM game last week, and it looks like he's probably going to be out in this game too. Demari also, I mentioned earlier, who I think has been a really dynamic running back for them, he's going to be out in this game. Donovan Kaufman, another guy in the secondary for them, he's questionable, but is he going to play? I don't know. He missed last week. He had a concussion against Cal. He, he went down uh, with, a, with a, I think it was an ankle injury against Sanford. He didn't play. It was a little gimpy, according to Hugh Freeze, and before the AM game. So does he come in and play? If he plays, he'll play that star position, but I don't know. Zion Puckett 
also went down. He's a guy that missed the A&M game. He's a, a veteran safety for them. He's a guy that's played a lot of football for them. They count him in the back end there. Is he going to be back for this game? I sh- he had a shoulder injury. I imagine they're going to try their best to give it a go, but you don't know. You just don't know. And if you get again, if you get him back, what version of them do you get? So both teams are dealing with a lot of injuries here. So what is that injury situation? Who's available? Who's not? Who's back to 100%, who's not, these are things that do matter in rivalry games like this, really any game, especially a rivalry game like this with the Deep South's oldest rivalry. All right, question number two. Now, this is probably my biggest question and my biggest concern in this game. Can Georgia overcome the crowd noise? I told you earlier, guys, I've been to Jordan-Hare Stadiums for Georgia-Auburn games many a time, for many a year, and it's not always crazy loud. Not always. I mean, I think I mentioned earlier in the week, like 2015, like Mark Rick's last go round. Boy, man, I, I, it was eerie. It was like so eerily quiet. But that's that is the exception. When Georgia's there, it's usually loud, especially a number one Georgia team, two-time defending national champion. It's going to be insane. Just understand that it's going to be crazy. And look, we've been there. We've done that, right? Well, yeah, but maybe not so much this team. You know, Carson Beck. This is his first road start in that type of environment. That's a challenge. I'm not saying it's a challenge that Carson cannot overcome. We had a question in the mailbag earlier in the week about Carson's demeanor and the fact that he just doesn't show any emotion. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I think it's a good thing in a game like this. You stay even keel. You don't get too high. You don't get too low. You don't let those things affect you. And I know you like you like to see emotion from guys. Sometimes in a, game, in a situation like this, it actually works in your favor and your, to your advantage to not be the kind of guy that's fiery and, and, and feeding off emotions and things like that. So I think Carson will be up to the challenge, but it's one of those things that you just don't know until you know. You don't know. There's no way to know. There's simply no way. You can guess. You can predict. Like I have done, I think it'll be fine, but you don't know. And that uncertainty is somewhat unsettling in a game like this, even though we are significantly more talented than Auburn. It wasn't healthy when we have a full roster. But that, that's certainly something to consider. It's not just Carson, though. We have a couple of young offensive linemen, especially on the left side of the line with Ernest Green and Dylan Fairchild. It certainly affects the quarterback, but offensive linemen have to communicate, guys. Auburn is going to be aggressive, trying to rush the passer, trying to force the issue. That's what they're going to do. And we, we know we've had some issues in the offensive line. They're going to attack that left side of the offensive line in particular. They're going to use some of their athletes like Eugene Asante to try to get some matchups that favor them. And that's fine. We've been really good protecting Carson, but it's also been at home when we've been able to communicate. It's much easier for offensive linemen to pass off twists and stunts when they can communicate. It's much easier to identify the mic and be able to slide protections where you want them to slide when you are at home and you don't have to contend with the crowd noise. When you're on the road, all of a sudden, it becomes really hard to communicate. Maybe somebody doesn't get the signal. Maybe somebody doesn't get the, the sign. Maybe they don't get the word and they're sliding the wrong direction and they get the quarterback murdered. Maybe they have a tougher time passing off the twists and the stunts. That can be a problem. Now, we've been really good unless we've been outnumbered. Like We've really done a good job protecting Carson. But again, that's at home. On the road, we haven't seen that with these two young guys on the left side of the offensive line. So that is somewhat of a concern. So that is certainly a huge question that I have in this game. And then finally, the third question that I have in this one, can the dogs continue to build momentum on the ground? I was very clear about my concerns with the rushing attack through the first two weeks of the season. It was a problem, guys. It was not good enough. It's still not quite up to what I want it to be, but we have seen some really positive signs. Dejan Edwards coming back has injected a really huge shot in the arm to this rushing attack. He's able to make, make guys miss in the hole. He runs with, with a, for the smallest guy in the backfield, he runs with more power and authority than anyone that we have right now. I really love what we've got with Dylan Bell back there. I hope that he gets more carries and we'll see if he is like maybe a full-time running back for at least the time being until we get a little bit healthier. We'll see what happens there. But I expect him to get, certainly get some looks at running back in this game against Auburn. And 
here's why this is important. Well, number one, let's go back to what I just said with question number two. Can we overcome the crowd noise? Well, if you can run the football, that takes a lot of pressure off of your quarterback making his first road start in an extraordinarily hostile, loud, bonkers environment. It'll take a lot of pressure off of Carson. So that is number one, why it's important. And the number two, how do you take the crowd out of the game? Well, you jump on them early, number one, but you also create explosive plays. If you can hit explosive plays and demoralize them, and they're like, oh man, yep, yep, here we go, here we go, it's going to happen, we're just going to get run out of town, out of our own town, of our own stadium, that can help calm that crowd down, take them out of the game. Well, creating explosive plays in our offense is largely a function of our ability to run the football, and that's why I was so concerned early in the season, if we can't run the football, our play-action game is not working, and our play-action game is really how we generally create explosive plays. So if we can run the football, it does take the pressure off of Carson, helps mitigate some of that those issues right there and some of those concerns that I have. And then number two, it helps create explosive play opportunities with our play-action game. And that is generally, again, how we do that. So can we run the football? Can we continue to build that momentum? We're actually, you know, honestly, somewhat surprisingly, after the last two weeks, going over 180 yards rushing each of the last two weeks, we're fifth in the league in rushing offense right now. It's not to our standards, not exactly where we want to be, but it's not as bad as it looked like the first couple of weeks of the season. We're averaging 159 yards rushing a game. If we can run for 150 in this game or even close to it, I uh, I feel very good about our chances. In fact, I think it's going to be very difficult for Auburn to win this game if that's the case, unless we just straight up hand it to them and make catastrophic mistakes, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. So can we continue to run the football and build that momentum on the ground? All right. Two matchups to watch. Let's go to the next segment here. I mentioned Eugene, Eugene Asante earlier as one of my players to know, and I'm going to come back to him here. Again, I believe he is the one real player right now on this Auburn defense, at least in terms of healthy guys. They're good in the back end when they're healthy. They're not fully healthy right now in the back end. That was the strength of their defense coming into the year, but you just don't know who they're going to have available back there. They're still good. They're still solid back there, but at least in the front six, Eugene Asante is the guy who has the potential to be a game changer, a game plan wrecker. He is that guy for them. He's versatile. He's a silent to sideline type guy. He's explosive. He can rush the passer, do a lot of different things to him. He's a three down linebacker. He's a guy that they are going to try to get matched up in some favorable situations. I imagine they're going to try to get him matched up with some of those guys on the left side of the offensive line, as I mentioned, some of those young guys. And let's just be real. Ernest Green played better. He played his best game of the year, in my opinion, last week against UAB. But Auburn's a little bit of a different animal, right? It's an SEC opponent. I don't think it's an elite SEC opponent, but still a step up from UAB, especially their defense. And that is going to be a matchup. I would I was going to say Eugene Asante versus the tackles, but they don't just get him matched up on tackles. They'll also blitz him from the interior and get him matched up on guards, which traditionally aren't your best pass protectors. They're actually doing a really good job for us right now. So Eugene Asante versus the Georgia offensive line. Now, Asante, the way to attack him is to run the ball right at him. He That's not his strong suit. When you run the ball at him, he has a tough time getting off blocks. He's not the most physical player, but he is a guy that can absolutely create issues for you if you're trying to run side and sideline because that's the strength of his game if you're running screen passes all the time if you're trying to run wide so if you're trying to run some wide zone plays some outside zones you're running some toss plays some fly sweeps those kind of things that's playing into his hands if you line up and you run the ball at him that is where he struggles so I would like to see us do a little bit more of that but if we get in third and long situations which might be some of those they're going to try to dial up some pressure, and they're going to try to get him mashed up, I I believe, on the left side of our offensive line, probably Ernest Green and Dylan Fairchild as well, 
But whoever it is on the offensive line, can we pick this guy up? He's an explosive pass rusher. He can wreck the game plan. He can affect the backfield. He's really aggressive against the run. So if he's at the line of scrimmage before you get on him, that's a problem. But if you can get up to second level and get on him, he's not as good. But Eugene Asante is the one guy I think that can that can really wreck our game plan offensively. So how are we going to be able to match up with him on the offensive line? And then my second matchup to watch, let's go Dominic Lovett here. All right, so I mentioned that there are quite a few players in the Auburn secondary that are either straight up out or questionable in this game. Even if they're playing, they're not going to be 100%. So it looks like Keontae Scott, the starting star, the starting slot defender, is going to be out for this game. Donovan Kaufman, who is going to fill in for him if he's out, which he is out, might be able to play in this game. Didn't play last week. He's questionable for this game. So if he's able to go, he's going to be the guy that's going to be matched up with Dominic Love at the majority of the time. If it's not him, if he can't go, J.D. Rim or Caleb Wooden are going to be those guys. Those guys have also been banged up though. So it might be Caleb Wooden who's like their fourth star defender. And here's why I think this is a really big matchup to watch. Number one, again, we know their starter at that position is out. So it's going to be their second, third, or potentially fourth guy at that position. You're going to have to move some guys around. And we also know if you're a defense coordinator with half a brain, you're going to do everything you can to take Brock Bowers away. We have a lot of our key playmakers injured right now. Bowers is that guy. They're going to do everything they can to take him away, which everyone does. Now, it is incumbent upon Mike Bobo to find ways to get him the football and scheme it up and get him the ball in space so he can make plays regardless. And he did a really good job against UAB. But they're going to try to take Bowers away. They're going to direct a lot of attention at him. They're going to probably bracket him. They're going to try to double him in any way they possibly can. So what is that going to do? It's going to create opportunities for Dominic Lovett in man coverage, one-on-one opportunities against a guy, whoever it is, is going at best be the second string star defender. It's going to be their backup there at best. Could be their third guy, could be their fourth guy. So I think Dominic Lovett is one of the keys to this game. Can he get loose? I think this has a chance to be Dominic Lovett's breakout game for the Georgia Bulls. He was he was big against Auburn last year for Missouri. He went over 100 yards. He had five catches for a little over 100 yards in that game. He's been there. He's done that, played in that stadium. Not that that matters all that much, a different offense. But what really does matter is the matchup. They're going to try to take Brock away. And Lovett's been good, but he hasn't been dynamic for us yet. He has the potential. He hasn't been that yet. So if you're their coordinator, of course you're going to have to roll the dice to try to take Bowers away. And Dominic Lovett is a guy that has potential in any given game to just break out and get loose and, and go for 100 plus yards and be explosive. And against their backups at the star position, if they're going to try to single cover him, which I think they're probably going to, is how I would approach it. You have to right now. I think that Lovett could have a huge game. It could be a big factor in why Georgia wins this football game. Okay, and finally, that brings us to our one key to the game. Let's wrap this thing up. This one's simple for me, guys. Like, there's always more than one key to the game. I always say that, but it's true. But if we're going to distill it down into one thing that is going to be key to a Georgia victory, key to the Georgia Bulldogs walking out of Auburn, Alabama, 5-0, 2-0 in the SEC, this one's simple to me. Do not make the catastrophic mistake. That's, that's it. It's that simple, guys. I say that because Auburn cannot win this game straight up. Yes, the margins are reduced with our injury situation. I've said that for a couple of weeks. That's going to continue to be the case until we get healthy, until we at least get some of these impact guys back. The margins will be reduced. Our roster, though, is still better than Auburn. Even with the key players out, it's still better than Auburn's. They cannot throw the football right now. They are one-dimensional, and I laid out why one-dimensional offenses simply do not fare well against Georgia. As I said earlier, for Auburn to win this football game, it is going to take them overcoming history. They're going to do something truly historic and overcoming all these overwhelming trends to be able to do that. So how do they do it? 
Well, they can't do it unless we help them do it. We are going to have to completely wet the bed, throw multiple interceptions, pick sixes, fumble returns for touchdowns, special teams touchdowns, fumbles in our own territory, deep in our own territory. That is what it's going to take for Auburn to win this football game. If it's early in the first half and we start making some of those mistakes and get this crowd in the game, all of a sudden it gets iffy, right? Now, I do like the fact that we're 56 nothing in the third quarter, but if Auburn's going to win this game, we are going to have to help them. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to win going away. It doesn't mean that's going to be pretty. We might win by a margin that's not satisfying to you. It might not be the margin you want, but we're still going to win this football game as long as we don't make the catastrophic mistake. Avoid turnovers. Play smart. Don't commit debilitating penalties. Keep your composure. Keep calm. If we can do those things, again, we might not win by the margin that you want us to win by, but we're still going to win the football game. So again, simply do not make the catastrophic mistake because Auburn cannot beat us straight up unless we do those things and help them win, unless we give them the football game. I mean, that's how upsets happen, right? That's how number one teams go down against teams like this. They they give it away. They beat themselves. So as long as we don't do that, we will win the football game. But I will give you my official, official prediction on our week five picks of the week episode that we'll have out for you guys on Thursday night. Charlie and I will be back giving you some more winners. We had a huge week last week, guys. So we're excited to kind of detail that and recap some of those big picks and give you even more winners. So make sure to check that out here in a couple of days. But thank you guys for being here. That is our official Georgia-Auburn game preview. I appreciate you guys. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>